Cura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Cura, Wellington, this is B-Side Stories, Wellington Access Radio. 783 AM and now 106.1 FM. 106.1 FM. Welcome to the FM dial. If you're on AM, switch over. See what we sound like. It's high fidelity. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> like seven seven whole letters of the alphabet more. I didn't think about that one, actually. Are we? Is that seven? F? I don't know. I'm not sure where we're going. Anyway, moving on, though. <laughs> Who do we have on the microphone besides uh, me? Very, uh, very good point. I'm Laura Beth Kewen. I'm one of your hosts today. I'm Laurie Foon. I'm one of your hosts today. I'm Ben Mumford-Zisk, and I'm another one of your hosts <laughs> today. Triple host. You're not short of hosts. <laughs> Triple host, welcome back, Laurie. Um, you've just been away on a big trip, is that right? Oh, yes. I have had... A bucket list experience down at the Able Taz. The Able Taz itself was incredible. The bucket list was getting the kids on the walk. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, we had a good family uh, conservation few days, and it was amazing. I swam. Awesome. (laughs) It wasn't too cold. It was too cold, but it had to be done. It had to be done. Excellent. Well done. Um. Good on you, Laurie. Uh, you also pointed out as soon as you arrived today that it is New Zealand Music Month. Yay! It is New Zealand Music Month. So we've got a great selection of songs. Um, we've also got a great selection of young people making a big difference in politics in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the second half of the show. We're gonna fe- we're gonna hear from Laura O'Connell Rapira, who is the co-founder of Rock and Roll which is all about enrolling young people to vote and getting them informed and getting them engaged. Good. We need that. We do. I mean, hopefully. Hopefully. They've got a crazy idea for this election year that maybe the voting age should be lowered to 16 years old. Really? So she's going to talk to us about that. Oh, that's going to be cool. Uh, A lot of opinions. (laughs) Woohoo! Lots of opinions. (laughs) Lots more opinions. If you if you need convincing, Laurie, I think it's going to be a good a good second half of the show. I don't I don't find your average sixteen year old to be that opinionated. Actually, I mean, realistically, (laughs) that could be that could be real fun. Okay, okay, I love this conversation. Let's have it in the second half. We'll wrap it up. (laughs) But first, but first, I'm going to welcome in our first guest. for the show, uh, uh, welcome to B-Side Stories, Jordan Anderson from Just Speak. Hi, Jordan. Welcome to the studio. Kia Thank you for having me. Uh, so I'll just give you a quick intro. Just Speak was formed in 2011. It's a group of young people that gets together to learn about and discuss issues in the criminal justice system, especially those relating to young people. And they've just released a report, uh, which Jordan was one of the co-authors of, and it's called Bailing Out the Justice System, Reopening the Window of Opportunity. So, Jordan, you'll talk to us about that today, right? Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for coming in. So, uh, first off, just kind of introduce how you're involved in Just Speak and um, what made you interested in that subject area. Okay, so I got involved in Just Speak about three years ago. Uh, I am a criminology student at Victoria University and... Uh, I found Just Speak to be a way of practically applying the things that I was learning, which can be quite highly theoretical at university. Mm-hmm. And so I've been involved in a huge range of different projects, 
um, Just Speak's work is very, very diverse, um, from presenting at Parliament to, you know, going out in the street and recruiting um, support and things like that, you know, uh, the types of actions that young people would take. Um, this report in particular is a highly specific research project that we um, endeavoured upon with the entrance of a new volunteer into our network. So it was a pretty exciting opportunity to try and make a very specific difference um, in the greater context of us trying to make a huge change. Sure. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, give us some context about that highly specific change. It mm -hmm. has to do with the Bail Amendment Act uh, yes. 2013. I know it's already very is, captivating, it, the it, Bail it Amendment sounds, Act, I know. It's had I some know. media right coverage. In, yeah. <laughs> It's had some media coverage and I was a little yeah. confused, but illuminate it for me. Yeah, of course. Okay, so we had a new volunteer um, who had had over a decade's experience as a principal analyst for Treasury. So basically she came with the knowledge that in 2012 the Treasury released a report uh, called Window of Opportunity, hence the title of our report, which basically, yeah, which basically um, stated that although costs for things like pensions and healthcare and education were all skyrocketing, we were going to have a justice dividend and what on earth are we going to do with all this extra money? And so she came to one of our events last year, which was concluding that, you know, our prison population has just reached 10,000 and, you know, we're at crisis levels of mass incarceration of Māori people and what are we going to do with this, you know, crisis that New Zealand has on its hands. And so with her knowledge, her inside knowledge of Treasury documents, we were able to figure out that there's these two points in time, the idea of a justice dividend and then just four years later, this crisis point, how did we get from A to B? And basically, that's what the report addresses. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, did you figure it out? Do you know how you got we from did. A to B? We did, yes. So basically, we expected that it would be complicated, like it always is, that it would be a portfolio of a hundred different things that all, you know, dribs and drabs came into this big problem. Yeah. But basically, um, what the main culprit was, was the Bail Amendment Act. So the issue... Uh, that we were trying to address was the fact that the government announced that we will be building a new prison, right? So the announcement of this new prison it means billions of dollars of spending um, and, you know, you create capacity, you're going to fill that capacity with more prisoners. We're already at 10,000 prisoners. Things were getting quite dire. And so basically the Bail Amendment Act was part of National's 2008 election platform. There was a whole lot of high-profile cases and... Uh, the Bail Amendment Act was intended to uh, keep the most severe, serious violent offenders on remand in custody to avoid them committing crimes while otherwise out on bail. Sure, it's like a tough-on-crime type initiative. Yeah, for sure, but it was also quite specific. It's not the you know net-widening thing that you would expect. Um, it was intended in the regulatory impact statement to only affect 50 people, mm -hmm. right? So 5% of sentenced offenders, uh, of um, people going to court, sorry. And so everybody except the Green Party voted for it in Parliament, and you know that, that went through. But then instead of those 50... Our research shows that it could be up to 1,500 people that have been captured in this um, the implementation of this act. And so that is hugely problematic, which is why we went to the politicians of every... Uh, we went to representatives of every political party to talk about that expectation versus reality that, you know, has kind of led us to crisis point. Okay, so a big reason why we have a lot more people sitting in prisons is because they're on remand... 
Mm-hmm. Excuse my ignorance, but does that mean that they've have been convicted or they're awaiting trial? No, no, not ignorant at all. It's it's um, quite a com- complicated issue. So basically, bail is the idea that you have either been charged with an offence or you are awaiting sentencing. So you could be remanded in custody without having been found guilty to prevent you from committing further crimes is the idea of remanding in custody. Mm. Or you can be bailed until you go to um, your trial, right? Mm -hmm. And the other part of remand is you have been found guilty, but you have not been given your sentence yet. So there are people there that are innocent, that have not been found guilty, and there's people there that will not be given prison sentences, uh, but are kept there on remand otherwise anyway. Hmm. Yeah. So uh, this growing prison population is made up of people who haven't even gone to trial yet in in some instances. In some instances, yes. And it's also important to consider it's not just the Bail Amendment Act um, affecting uh, these serious offenders that it was intended to affect. What we found in our research, which mostly used public publicly available documents, was that people who were being charged with things like fraud were being remanded in custody, which the average New Zealander, I don't think, would expect because, you know, it's not a serious violent offender, it's not serious sexual offences. And the other thing we found, which was possibly the most shocking, was that um, because of the conditions of electronic bail, if you live in basically what we would refer to as insecure housing, so a tent, a caravan, um, a hostel, a hotel, something like that, you cannot be electronically bailed. And equally, if you live in an apartment, you cannot be electronically bailed Mm. because the equipment works laterally and not vertically. And so because you can't be electronically bailed, you will be held on on remand. Hmm. And so these people who don't have access to housing in a housing crisis are being held in our most expensive housing, which is prison. Which is prison. That's scary stuff, yeah. Okay. Just to clarify, when you say electronically bailed, you mean basically using an electronic transaction to pay the bail itself? or No, sorry. Uh, that's a bit different. Uh, sure. it's, it's not a cost mechanism. Okay. Um, Bail is the idea that you are, it's not released on, on um, any kind of monetary license. Yeah. Yeah. It's that we're going to bail you with the expectation that you will return for your trial. There's no monetary transaction. Electronic bail is that we're going to be able to check that you are in your property and following the conditions of your bail. So say you can't go out after 5 p.m. and you, you, know, you can't be out of your home between 5 p.m. and 8 a.m., something like that. Similar to a house arrest of some Similar, kind? Similar, yes. Okay, got so it. Those kind of conditions sure, can apply. Sure. It's dependent on each case. Cool. Yeah. So, so it seems like you've identified the culprit uh, of this increase, and it, this a very cross-partisan bill has had this unintended consequence. Mm-hmm. You, um, in your capacity with Just Speak, have been going around having meetings with parties in, from Parliament. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so that's right. Tell me about that process. Yeah, it's been very, very interesting. So, um, obviously, as I said, all of the parties except for the Green Party voted for the Bail Amendment Act. It's the kind of thing that you can imagine parties getting behind, you know, targeting the worst kind of offenders, protecting the public. You know, it's that law and order idea that gets a lot of political support. So we expected some pushback in our um, meetings with politicians. But what we found was once we explained to them that the Bail Amendment Act that they agreed to has not been implemented in the way that they foresaw, Mm. all of them were quite concerned. You know, these people that really did support it initially... um, you know, once they saw that, even if it's not the fifteen hundred that we suspect it, you know, could be the maximum. Yeah. Even if it is five hundred or six, you know, if it's a hundred people, that's still 
twice the amount that they expected. And so all of these politicians from every party were very concerned that the implementation of this act has gone so awry. Yeah. Oh, cool. Mm. So um, do we know what the solution is? Well, we've got a few ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. <laughs> of course, with any Just Speak report, there's a few recommendations. Absolutely. Um, so basically what Just Speak does is takes the evidence and tries to apply that to policy. We, we seek evidence-based policy. That's our whole thing. We're nonpartisan. Um, so any political party that would take an evidence-based approach would get our support. Basically, the easiest way to do it would be to repeal the Bail Amendment Act. Obviously, that has huge political pushback Mm -hmm. because any discussion of the Bail Amendment Act is going to have discussion of those specific cases, horrific cases that all New Zealanders will remember, um, that will bring back that kind of law and order sentiment that we don't really want in the public discourse. People who committed horrible crimes when they were out on bail. Mm -hmm. And you can't use those as a general rule to apply to all people that are going through the system, right? Um, As anywhere, most people are generally good. And so... You know, the ideal would be to repeal the Bail Amendment Act and take an evidence-based approach, but that could be quite difficult considering the political landscape. Mm -hmm. So an alternative would be to change the implementation. The implementation is the problem because, I mean, JustSpeak presented a submission on the Bail Amendment Act and we did not foresee that this would be the consequence. Nobody did. No party that supported this act saw what was going to happen. The the over-implementation, the extremely risk-averse, you know, follow-through with this. So changing the implementation in terms of the policing and the um, extreme risk aversion would be probably the most um, effective way of going about it because you can do that through policy arms rather than through political mechanisms. Okay, okay, great. This may seem a silly question, but why is it bad for people to... Um, stay in prison while they're on remand. Is it, I mean, I mean, what what's the big deal? They may maybe they're if they're innocent, they'll get out eventually. Um, they'll just spend a little time um, with us with us feeding them on the public dollar, I guess. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting point, and I suppose a lot of people that don't intimately know the issue, like I do, would possibly think that way. Something to consider is that these people have not necessarily done anything wrong. Um, The circumstances of their situation have not been considered by a judge. Um, Secondarily, anybody entering the prison gates is more likely to offend in the future, regardless of whether they've offended in the past. Prison is what we call criminogenic, which means that it creates future crime. Um, Also, I mean, it's, it's a matter of finance, right? 10,000 people in the prison system at $100,000 each per year. That's a lot of money that we're spending. And, I mean, with us finding that housing is a significant part of this, to be spending that much money on people that don't necessarily need to be in prison for any, you know, legal reason, um, it's a bit of a worry, uh, even just from that financial perspective, if you are just weighing up those um, more... Yeah, financial concepts. Sure, sure. Interesting. Mm. I I know that um, New Zealand has a, quite a high rate of imprisonment. Very high. Um, in the OECD, so um, that that practice of having people in prison 
Uh, it's interesting that you bring up that uh, people who are in prison are more likely to be, mm. be commit criminal acts because uh, that's not the intent, but that is the consequence. Um, can you um, talk a little more broadly about what issues Just Speak sort of considers and what kind of a, what kind of a future you would rather see mm -hmm. for the criminal justice system? Oh, we might have to start up a series uh, <laughs> on that topic. Um, well, the types of issues that we consider, as you said, we are a network of mostly young people, and so issues for young people are pretty high on our agenda. Um, an example of that is the Just 17 campaign that we ran. So at the moment, 17-year-olds in New Zealand are um, considered adults in terms of the court system. Right, so they are not included in the youth justice system, which violates the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child and you know, breaks international laws. Um, and so we have joined together with 30 other um, organisations to campaign to bring 17-year-olds into the youth justice system. Because the youth justice system, obviously designed specifically for young people, is much more um, considerate of the needs of young people, of their particular, you know, neurological development stages of um, their Fano and the way that that can influence, you know, uh, stopping their offending. Whereas, and it's actually a lot more rigorous, which people do, often don't understand. So that's, that's the kind of issue that we've been driving for about a year now. We just recently submitted um, on the Oranga Tamariki Bill at Parliament um, on that one. That's been a, a huge push for us. But also, I mean, things like privatisation of prisons in New Zealand and the issues with Serco, mm. um, just gen general criminal justice issues as they come up in the media, we are often consulted um, as kind of a prison reform agency is what they often um, kind of refer to us as. We, we would want to see more evidence-based policy, which basically means looking at what works elsewhere and solid academic peer-reviewed evidence as to why that works and how it could be implemented here. Because it's important to always, I mean, it can, can be tempting to be a bit, you know, hopeless about this issue because it's just so complicated and how would you even go about fixing it? And if you started fixing it, you know, with our young people today, what about all of the older people that, you know, are already stuck in that system and it's, you know, this cycle, it's, it, it's all just a bit much. But remembering that, you know, for example, Finland used to be one of the highest imprisonment rates in the world, an Eastern Bloc country, ex-Soviet. Within 50 years, they turned their education, healthcare and justice systems around and are now one of the most effective justice systems in the world in terms of stopping reoffending. Hmm. If Finland can do it in 50 years, New Zealand, little old New Zealand, maybe we could do something like that too. So that's my ideal kind of move toward evidence-based Finnish policy, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beautiful. I love to hear that a group uh, of mostly young people has become like a group that is consulted and a group that is trusted um, in uh, the course of changing criminal justice mm. policy. It, that's amazing. Good job. Yeah, Good it's job. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, can you say a little bit more about, I don't know, the the influence of of young people? It, why is that such an important perspective to bring into uh, 
this this subject area of criminal justice. Yeah, that's a great point. I think that the voices of young people are often ignored, and I think you're going to hear probably more about that in the second half of your show. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, young people are affected to an enormous extent by the criminal justice system. Um, just in the last um, couple of weeks, there's been people in New Zealand for the Children of Prisoners Conference um, talking about the huge detrimental impact of having a parent in prison for a child. Mm. You know, there's over, I think it's 25,000 children in New Zealand have at least one parent in prison. And the outcomes for those children are obviously worse Mm. than for any other children. And they are more likely to be involved in the criminal justice system. And, you know, for young people to have a voice in a traditional, in, in an environment where they've traditionally been either spoken for or ignored is so important in the 21st century because it doesn't seem like older people are making any move to revolutionise the system. Mm. So perhaps this is the way forward. Um, And what we've found is when you actually do ask young people what they think about these things, they do have a stance. And it might not be that they, you know, have the strongest convictions in the world, but they they are often very appreciative of diversity, of uh, the different struggles that people experience, that people make mistakes and, you know, we don't need to imprison everybody or remand everybody in custody necessarily to, you know, have a remedial response to that, you know? Sure, Mm. sure. It seems also like if you're dealing with uh, a problem like with the Bell Act where Mm. uh, insecure housing is going to be affecting it in a very negative way, you're going to see a lot more of that in young people, especially, I mean, you mentioned caravans, you mentioned tents, Mm -hmm. and I know that there's the question of homelessness, but I'm also thinking about, you know, the number of people that we have in this country who travel almost as they're they're living it seems you know but their lifestyle is very nomadic to begin with so they don't have a permanent or stable base and so they would be completely up the creek it sounds like in this mm. scenario so yeah definitely quite a bit yeah and it obviously adversely affects maori whanau as right. well you know disproportionately affecting um maori which is just typical of our justice system which has quite a lot of structural discrimination mm. kind of stacked into it which we've also written a report on mm-hmm. yeah turning them out yeah, yeah. <laughs> for another episode yeah, maybe. yeah absolutely we'll start our series yeah. <laughs> uh if people want to find out more about just speak where can they hear about it or oh, we're all over the social it. media um we have a website justspeak.org.nz uh we're on facebook twitter it's all go so yeah feel free to look us up fantastic Jordan Anderson, thank you very much for coming on B-Side Stories. Thanks so much for having me. Enlightening us about <laughs> how we can fix one part of the criminal justice system and how, and how we can think about it uh, in a broader sense. Yes. Have we got a song to play us out? We have got a song. Laurie, what, what do you got? Mel Parsons. Mel Parsons. Alberta's son. All right. Let's duet. Let's see if the computer will duet for us. Go, computer. Come on, technology. Sweet as... Yeah, I miss those days and I miss the fun We were gonna drive the length of the continent We were gonna build a house, we were gonna have kids And I'm gonna sound harsh and I'm gonna sound cruel But I'm gonna move on like I know 
Wish me well. 